I would like to welcome you all to Sunday service. Happy Mother's Day to all those fulfilling that function either in this body or in the divine consciousness. Uh, and it was wonderful to have the children join us. Lila Devi did a wonderful job. Uh, my name is Naya Swami Ananta. This is Naya Swami Maria. And it's a joy to share with you today. We want to welcome our guests, uh, our Expanding Light guests, our Meditation Retreat guests, uh, and all of you who are visiting for the first time. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light. Uh, this is parallel passages from the Bible and the Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. This week the topic is the secret of right action. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. One of the most famous stories in the Gospels is that of Martha and Mary. Jesus, visiting the home of Martha, was teaching while her sister Mary sat at his feet, absorbing his divine love and wisdom. Martha, meanwhile, busied herself with serving the guests and was upset that Mary was not helping her. Lord, she cried, doesn't it matter to you that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Please ask her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. This story is classic, for Martha's complaint is very understandable and not, on the surface of it, spiritually wrong. Jesus may well have told Mary to get up and help her. We don't really know that he didn't consider it as he always was of others' needs. But the teaching here doesn't concern the obvious dilemma of devotees to work for God or to spend all one's time in prayer. It concerns, rather, the attitude of the mind. Jesus didn't tell Martha, Martha, you're doing too much. He told her, rather, you are letting your work affect your inner peace. That was the contrast. Not work versus contemplation, but restless preoccupation versus peaceful absorption under all circumstances. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, Actions performed under the influence of desire are greatly inferior to those which are guided by wisdom. Happiness eludes people when they act from self-interest. Seek shelter, therefore, in the equanimity of wisdom. Thus, through the Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity, and this has a fun title, it's a fun reading, I Will Be the Naughty Baby of the Divine Mother. So Yogananda has fun with this one. In the hall of life, decorated with mountains, stormy cataracts, and wild scenery, I have played long. 
Each time, when tired of play, I cried for thee. Thou didst drop down through the skylight of my heart's craving some new doll of fame, friends, or prosperity to quiet me. This time, Divine Mother, I will play the naughty baby. I will sob unceasingly. No more shall the toys of earthly pleasure stop my cries. O Divine Mother, thou must come soon, or I will waken all creation with my cries. <laughs> I will make all thy sleeping children wake and join me in a chant of wails. <laughs> Forsake thy busyness with the housework of thy creation. I demand attention. I demand thee, I no longer want thy playthings. Quite fun. <clears throat> so our subject today uh, is the secret of right action. And <clears throat> Swamiji very clearly and simply states that right action is about holding the right consciousness when we're acting the consciousness of God. In other words, to act while in communion, while in dialogue inwardly with God. And because it is Mother's Day today, I'd like to just segue into the consciousness of Divine Mother, acting in the consciousness of Divine Mother, living this life in Divine Mother consciousness. When I first read the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, this was the first time that I read about, heard about this concept of God as Divine Mother. And as is the case with many of you, I imagine, um, it instantly resonated. It made sense. I wasn't brought up in religion or any particular dogma. Was, everything was fairly neutral. But I, because of that, just had no, no exposure. And here I was reading about the Divine Mother. Yogananda would refer oftentimes to God as the Cosmic Mother. And it just made so much sense. It deeply, deeply resonated with me. And Yogananda, when you read Autobiography of a Yogi and when you listen to his talks or uh, read articles by him, he speaks of the Divine Mother and he speaks about his life. His family life was built around this image and aspect of God, the Divine Mother. They worshipped Krishna, they worshipped Shiva, and they worshipped Divine Mother. And whenever there were uh, holidays or celebrations dedicated to Divine Mother, of which there are many in India, Yogananda's mother would craft these beautiful dolls, images, out of clay and use different materials from nature. And she would dye jute black and make that Divine Mother's hair. And she would fashion these in the image of Mother Kali. 
And so this was, a, this was a big deal. This was a real focus for the family worship in general and then also at specific times. And she taught Yogananda, as the young boy Mukunda, how to make these images. When Yogananda was a very young boy, I think around 12 or so, his mother, his earthly mother, died suddenly from cholera. And as one can imagine easily, this was devastating. This was hugely devastating. And he felt like a leaf out at sea. I mean, just, you know, without a compass. He just didn't know what to do. And he said that it took him years to really process that and reflect on that and transcend the relationship with his mother to one of divine mother. He said he, was, he would beat on the doors of heaven. And this went on for a long time. And he said, finally, the divine mother answered him and said, I have been your mother. Incarnation after incarnation after incarnation through many mothers. In my gaze now, find those two lost black eyes. <clears throat> and so Yogananda from that point transcended the awareness of his mother as a physical being now gone and embraced the Divine Mother, the Cosmic Mother. And he went after that wholeheartedly. He sought out saints and whoever he could find who could share with him and remind him and speak with him about the Divine Mother. He said he prayed incessantly to Divine Mother that his life could be dedicated to her, that his life would be a song, a dance to the Divine Mother. It's very interesting because uh, Swami Kriyananda, in talking about Yogananda's role in the West, he said one of the very important aspects of his mission was the worship of Divine Mother. Isn't that interesting? You know, here comes this great avatar and for public viewing shares his spiritual life in intimate detail and talks about the Divine Mother and, the, and his, his book, his works, they're just full of extolling the Divine Mother and talking about the Divine Mother and his conversations with her and how she has responded to him in life. And I found it so interesting that Swamiji said that because, uh, I mean, it doesn't, it didn't really surprise me. Again, it just made perfect sense. The world today needs Divine Mother consciousness. It's not a male-female thing. Masculine, feminine, it's that consciousness can flow through any person. Mothers, to be sure, but not always. Not always in this world. We certainly read and hear about the bad behavior of certain women mothers. But Yogananda said, there are no bad divine mothers. <laughs> and he was speaking of that consciousness, those qualities. I had someone write the other day and and uh, this person said, 
you know, I look around me and I am just, you know, I am appalled at the world and the human species is just destroying everything and people are not behaving and when I look at people I almost feel hate for some people. And then she, this person said, but I know this negativity isn't good for me and it's not good for the world. What can I do? And it was just so timely because here we are talking about the Divine Mother and we need to all be, whether in male or female bodies, instruments and channels for Divine Mother consciousness, for those qualities which are an expression of that. Yogananda, when he talked about the Divine Mother, he didn't talk, he didn't give it form. You know, he didn't describe her in a certain way or point to a certain saint or a, you know, whenever I see Yogananda, to me, I just think of Divine Mother. It's just, it's always been that way, maybe because that's how he first introduced me to God. I remember being in uh, overseas in college and the family I was staying with, I had a little picture of Yogananda by my bedside and when any of them came you know, down into my bedroom for whatever reason, they saw that picture and one day uh, one of the uh, members of the household said, who is that picture? Is that your mother? And I, I thought about explaining it and then I thought, no, no. <laughs> said, yes, that's my mother. <laughs> and they believed that for the whole time I was with them. So I was there for months. That was just my mother whom they would refer to afterwards when they wrote me and, you know, it was so sweet. <laughs> but Yogananda didn't, he didn't speak of a particular form. He said he was once out in the desert in Southern California near Palm Springs and he had walked up into the canyon there and, and he sat down and he wrote a poem, a song to Divine Mother. Mother, I give you my soul call for those of, most of you will know that perhaps. And he said immediately when he finished writing that, he said the sky opened up and Divine Mother appeared. But again, he didn't give that form an image, you know, a concrete image that our heart might yearn after just to hold on to that in a personal way. He said everything was, her form was radiant light, everything was radiant light, and she was radiant in the trees and radiant in the plants and radiant in the landscape and it was just light, Divine Mother's light and consciousness everywhere. And uh, so that's how, he, that's how he spoke of her and in so doing called us to also try to be an expression of those qualities beyond the form that reside within each one of us, unconditional love, forgiveness, compassion. We were with one of our brother-in-laws recently and uh, one of his children is, and all of you who are parents will perhaps recognize this, but it's taking a little while to launch. <laughs> and money keeps going out. <laughs> and checks keep getting written and sent out of the country, no less. So, uh, and you know, so we were, you know, talking about that, and he said, you know, but we would do anything. We would do anything. That's our child. And that's a divine mother quality. 
you know, fathers, mothers, that quality, that willingness to just go beyond always what seems doable, go beyond what seems perhaps to our limited way of thinking undeserved at a certain point or whatever it is. But the Divine Mother just stays in there. The Divine Mother consciousness sees it through until, you know, people, I don't know how people think they're going to be through parenting at 20. <laughs> that just is not possible. My mom was in there until she left at 89. So, you know, there it is. You're just always of that consciousness of giving and loving and doing and serving no matter what. And uh, I remember once uh, recently, uh, because a friend of ours, a very dear friend of ours in the Sacramento Ananda congregation passed away. Her name was June Wilson. We knew her probably for 25 or so years. And when my mother left, and, you know, again, this is something that a lot of you will probably relate to, but, you know, there's a lot of things to take care of, disseminate, give away, a lot of things of value, some of none, except uh, in the form of nostalgia or remembrance. And my sister was handing off some things to me, one of my sisters, and amongst these were these little crocheted doilies. And they were green, a lot of green leaf and red roses and, you know, sweet, maybe kind of dated, I suppose. But these doilies, me and two of my sisters, two of the five children, three of us, had given to my mother on a birthday way back when. And so here was yet another thing and another tug and, and I just thought, what am I going to do? And so I th uh, the idea came, I'm going to ask, I'm going to give these to June. And, uh, and then another part of me thought, no, no, June may not like them. And if she throws them away, I'm going to have a problem with this. <laughs> I could see that in myself. There was this little bit of attachment, you know. So I thought, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then I thought, okay, I will take them up to the thrift store at Ananda Village. And surely out of that community, someone will you know, like these, but at least I won't have to look at what happened to them. I can give them to a great cause, give them perhaps to a guru by unknowingly, but, you know, I can let, maybe let go of that little bit of attachment. So I sent them up. And a few weeks went by, a few months went by, I suppose. A few months went by. And I was over at June's house. <laughs> I was sitting there on the couch, and opposite me was this little table and this little altar. And lo and behold, <laughs> those doilies are sitting there, those crocheted doilies. And I thought, no, nah, that can't be. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> said June, where did you get those? They look so sweet there. And she just said, well, you know, whenever I go up to the village, I go by the thrift store, and there's always something there that speaks to me. And I saw these doilies, and I thought, I am going to get these and put these on my altar. So here I was, you know, I just thought, oh my, Divine Mother, this is really something. But I didn't say anything because I, you know, again, I didn't want her to be obligated to something that was, you know, had this great story, you know, of history behind it. 
But there it was, you know, Divine Mother just figured it all out. And I have to say, you know, when you feel that connection inwardly, there's just nothing else going on. There's nothing else. There's no time. There's no space. There's no matter. It's just that perfect communion with God as our beloved Divine Mother. And that's one of the aspects of Divine Mother. That's, it's, it's why it's so relevant in our times, because Divine Mother can do everything, can do anything, and will wait, and will be compassionate, and will be loving, and will see what we don't see. We'll hear what we don't hear. We'll be sensitive to what we don't feel because she's the mother of each one of us and knows us that well, knows us that intimately. And so if we can get close to that consciousness, the consciousness of Divine Mother, if we can get close to that, if we can be close to that, uh, Hare Krishna Ghost tells a delightful story. He's no longer in the body, a nephew of Yogananda's. And when Yogananda went to visit India, when he returned back there, Hare Krishna Ghost was 16 years old. And Yogananda every day would share in satsang. Uh, he'd be there for hours, for a great part of the day, in the house there on Garpar Road. And Hare Krishna had to go to school, but when he came back, they were all there, still sitting. And usually Yogananda would be talking, sharing stories, you know, something like that. And on this particular occasion, he was very quiet. And he just stayed quiet. And he wasn't saying anything. And everyone was kind of, you know, twitching and kind of uncomfortable. They didn't know thought maybe, Hare Krishna said, they thought maybe they'd done something wrong, you know, did something to displease him, and he was just, you know, being quiet. And finally they asked him, and Yogananda said, after a little bit, you know, silent a little more, and then he said, I was talking to Divine Mother. And at that point, Hare Krishna goes, says, he just sort of jumped and grabbed Yogananda, who was seated next to him, and just pulled him, you know, pulled up right against him, their skin touching and he said he just wanted to be. He just wanted to be in that vibration. He wanted to have that experience of communion inwardly with the Divine Mother. And he thought if he could just hold on to Yogananda, he would get that. And that's true. That's true. If you hold on to Divine Mother, she'll hold on to you. And so I would say, you know, if you want to deepen that relationship yourself, if you want to know what that's about, if you want to experience the Divine Mother, to be close to Yogananda. You know, whether he's your guru or not, it doesn't matter. He is a vehicle for Divine Mother consciousness in this world at this time. Prem Avatar, incarnation of love. It's why he came to show how easy it is to be with God, to commune with God. You know, Yogananda said it's easier. The mother is 
the mother is closer than the father. What did he mean by that? He just meant that it's, you know, that unconditional love, you know, that willingness and trust in the child. Even if the child is misbehaving, that implicit trust that here is a soul of God, here is a divine being, and the willingness to care for that and look for that and see that and see it through. And that's the quality that expressed through Yogananda. And so when you read his poems and whispers to and about the Divine Mother, when you listen to him talk about the Divine Mother, you know, it's, it's easy. It's easier to get around that and to feel that and to experience what he's talking about and to know that within yourself, to know that for yourself. I wanted to close with just a simple, uh, brief, guided visualization. So I want to invite you to just sit up for a moment. And bring your attention to the point between the eyebrows. And I want you to feel yourself surrounded in the vibration of Om, above and below, to the left and the right. In front of you, feel this vibration and behind you, yourself completely encircled in Om. Yogananda said, Om is a name, is the experience of the Divine Mother, that creative, cosmic, unconditional vibration. And mentally now chant Om three times at the point between your eyebrows. And feel from there, project from there, that vibration going out into infinity, going out on all sides of you, but especially now at the point between the eyebrows, projecting it forward and up. And now, make a, give to expression a desire spiritually within yourself, for yourself, and project that out into that Om vibration. Master said, float it on Om. Offer it freely. Give it to that vibration, give it to the Divine Mother. And again, chant Om at this point between the eyebrows. Om, Om, Om. Thank you.
its mother will she turn turn away wise or foolish will your children guide us mother if we stray those who hearts are torn with anguish lack the power your name to call heal their wounds ma soothe their sorrows you the mother of us Heal their wounds, my soothe their soul. 